Welcome back. This is a Uniquely Better Life podcast hosted by the Willow Center in Brownsburg, Indiana. My name is Chase Cotton. I'm the community director here, and I'm your host. This is episode six for the month of July 2022, and I'm so excited to have my new friend Ryan here to talk about the topic budgeting and finances in recovery. Last month, we talked a lot about parenting and recovery, uh, so if you missed that episode, be sure to go go back and give that one a listen for all you parents who might be listening. It's a great, great conversation. But this week, we're diving, diving into finances and budgeting. Uh, before I introduce you to Ryan, let's get some intro music and then we'll get started. Welcome, Ryan. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah, thank you so much for having me today. Uh, My name's Ryan. Um, I am an addict in recovery. And um, yeah, my clean date is uh, 7-7-2019. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. So you you are approaching three years then. Yep, I'll be approaching three years here in a couple weeks. That's incredible, Ryan. Congratulations. That's hard work. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, my um, my recovery has been really, really important to me. Uh, I At the time, um, so I grew up in in Indiana. I moved away for college. Okay. And um, at the time, I was living in Dallas. It was the last place that I lived. Mm-hmm. And uh, just wasn't doing well, and my family was catching on. And I actually missed a plane flight home uh, to see my family. Uh, for the 4th of July, yeah, and um, my grandma actually came to Dallas oh, and okay. just, like, showed up at my front door. Wow. And uh, she was like, something's got something's to gotta change. Yeah. And so she and my family had talked about me moving back to Indiana, mm-hmm. and so I, uh, I moved back to Indiana in j- July. Okay. Uh, no, uh, yeah, of July of 2019. And I actually went into treatment at Terra Treatment Center down in Franklin. Mm -hmm. And that was really where everything began for me as far as my recovery journey. I did a 30-day inpatient, uh, graduated from that, went on to an outpatient at IU Methodist. Nice. And, uh, yeah, I mean, doing inpatient, outpatient really got me grounded in recovery uh, early on. And, yeah, now approaching three years now. That's incredible. That's really, really great. Well, thank you so much for sharing a little bit about your story. Yeah. I love being able to hear those stories of hope just to remind the listeners that recovery is actually possible. Yeah. You know, because in the midst of it, it doesn't always feel that way. So no, I totally appreciate agree. appreciate that. So let's go ahead and get into this topic, budgeting and finances in recovery. This is not necessarily like one of those topics that people feel super comfortable discussing right off the bat, because most of us, if we're being honest with ourselves, have wasted money in our lives yeah. on something, Yeah. right? For me, I, I waste money in thrift stores, and my wife can attest to that, but I want to know, like, give us a, l- a little bit of a reason of why you wanted to come talk about this topic, and then I'll start, I'll start sort of the interview process with some of these questions we have prepared. Yeah, for sure. Well, <clears throat> you know, these unique topics in recovery are, are things that my recovery family talk about a lot. Yeah. Like, 
you know, obviously alcohol, drugs are a conversation and but mainly, you know, after being clean for a little bit, we get into these topics of conversation mm-hmm. that like what other ways do our addiction shows up? And yeah. um you know, budgeting and finances has been something that I've been really um self-conscious about throughout my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll get get into it more, but you know, before I got clean, I was working in a corporate position. Um, I had a decent salary and at the time while I was using, you know, I had no savings. I had nothing really to prove that, you know, I was making a decent amount of money. Right. And just like where I was losing everything and having to rebuild and restart financially mm-hmm. and now having, you know, a much dirtier two feet on the ground with my finances. Yeah. You know, finances was something that used to take up a lot of headspace. Right. Um, and now I feel that I'm living within my means and I'm more willing to talk about it um, because my sponsor, like, nothing's off the table as far as what we talk about. If, right. you know, I, I feel like there's some unmanageability in my life. Like, it's it's encouraged to talk about that. And That's so great to have a sponsor like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's been really great. It, it's, I mean, unmanageability is unmanageability at the end of the day. Right. And, um, you know, I, I don't always feel the urge to act out with drugs and alcohol but I, today, but I do still feel the desire to use with money mm-hmm. and food and, and sex. And I just, you know, these topics of conversation are important to me. Yeah, that's great. And I appreciate your relation to um, how addiction shows up in other areas of your life. Because I think that's that's kind of a myth that exists, even even for some of those folks who might be earlier in the recovery, is that it's it was only ever the substance. right? But addiction, at least you know, from a treatment perspective, is, is more often the symptom of something underneath. Yeah. right? Something that's eating at you or that you're dealing with or trying to escape. And that, that shows up in all kinds of places. Yeah. So let's dive into a little deeper then with, with a finances bit. Um, how much money, in your opinion, does a person in active addiction actually spend on their substance of choice, like for real? You know, when I was thinking about this question, I was like, how could I, like, how could I define this other than just saying like way too much money? Um, <laughs> right. You know, I mean, to quantify, I have no idea how to, but I mean, what I was thinking is, you know, so I was working. With a, I had a fifty-five thousand dollar salary a yeah. year. Um, at that time, when I got in clean, I was fourteen thousand dollars in debt mm-hmm. between uh, credit cards, um, you know, medical bills that hadn't been paid. Yeah. Um, what else? I mean, I had um, previous places that I lived. I didn't pay like the final bill and stuff like that yeah um and and i had no savings and so you know just like kind of taking a look at that you know i i mean i probably spent like over ten thousand dollars you know on my addiction and um just substances and ways to you know use yeah i really appreciate the way you framed that you spent that certain amount of money on your addiction, not just on the substance. 
that's a really important difference that I think you've pointed out there. Cause I mean, depending on your substance of choice, whether it's something technically legal, like, like alcohol that you can get somewhat cheaply, you know, you can get a 30 pack for 15 or 18 bucks or whatever <laughs> yeah. at Kroger, but like, or, you know, an illegal substance that can, that can actually cost more. Like that's not the only cost. Yeah. Right. There's also, like you said, like there might be medical bills depending on how it's affecting your body. There might be treatment bills. If you're going in and out of treatment, there might be insurance and car wreckage bills. If there's an accident involved, like there's all kinds of other things that are tied to the addiction itself. So I appreciate the way you framed that. Yeah. How do you feel like just in general, like like drug or alcohol use just affects your ability to manage just, just managing a baseline financial stability. Is it, is it easy to do when you're still addicted to a substance? Is it hard to do? Is it cloudy? How would you describe it? You know, when I was thinking back on how I spent money, where I spent money, um, you know, my rationale, but by spending money, you know, it, it honestly is just complete chaos. Mm. You know, there's not a whole rhyme or reason to what I'm doing, what I'm spending, how I'm spending my money. I mean, I became the, I mean, I became that addict that, you know, would hide behind, you know, closed doors and behind blinds and just didn't want to go anywhere. So I would like get my errands and my groceries like delivered to me and like the amount of money that I would like spend additionally on like delivery fees and stuff like that. I mean, I even like stop getting my groceries and would just like order like delivery with like Grubhub and Uber and stuff like that. And, you know, I just, I just remember making like a good amount of money and how quickly I would blow through it. And uh, in essence, like have nothing to show for it. Like I was really just spending on whatever would make me feel good in that moment Mm -hmm. and didn't have any care for like, the next hour the next day the next week but it was like how can i get through this moment with whatever i'm feeling about whatever or really how can i please others because you know one of my substance of choice was a social thing and yeah you know like how much money can i spend to get people together but you know i would it was just full of cloud of judgment Mm -hmm. and no sense and no responsibility yeah yeah, that's tough, especially when you start including the social aspects. And it sounds like, like, you know, the finances was actually sort of a, a piece of the isolation component, which I think is an interesting connection. Yeah. Right, because isolation is one of those like really big red flag risk factors when it comes to addiction and mental health. Uh, I had never thought about how finances could even be tied to that. Could even be a tool in the isolation. Oh, yeah. I mean... There are blessings and curses to having a decent salary while using, because like you just said, like there were some conveniences that I was able to afford at the time, right? um, To just um, like prohibit me from being social or like going out and leaving my apartment, Mm -hmm. and you know, I I believe that humans are all social creatures and like we like thrive on connections to others but you know i was able to kind of gravitate towards those and you know those minor conveniences for me to use more Mm -hmm. but just like drive me 
further further into a hole right yeah that's rough that's difficult so let's let's talk about rebuilding then obviously finances are totally whack when you're in addiction so when you've turned the corner you've gotten treatment you found a recovery community of some sort that doesn't always mean that suddenly things are fine on you know in these other dimensions of our life including finances and something that's just unfortunately true about the United States of America is that the system is not always built in people's favor who are yeah. trying to get into recovery. So you have, you know, trying to find a place to live and applying for leasey agreements and trying to get a new job where they're going to try and find out what your previous finances looked like, especially if it has any sort of responsibility of managing people or, or the finances of a store. And all that comes down to one big scary thing credit <laughs> so can you tell us what what is rebuilding credit like when you're starting over yeah so i think like rebuilding has been a consistent theme in my recovery and i think in a lot of people's recovery is you know you you, you start at the bottom and you know you might have been higher then you got lower and and just mm -hmm. like how do you walk through you know where you're where you left yourself and you know, just kind of where I was at when I got clean. I had um, lost my apartment. I lost my car, mm. $14,000 in debt. Um, I had just moved back um, to Indiana. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm super fortunate and grateful that my mom um, let me live with her. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of, a, a, you know, a rebuilding and a starting place for me was because for the years prior I was living by myself and I was you know air quote financially stable on my own so going from living on my own and needing to ask for help and receive help from other people that's tough it, it was really difficult and you know I moved out at 18 I got clean at 27 yeah so there was a nine-year period that I hadn't lived in Indiana and through those nine years, I didn't really live by myself. Right. But, you know, as far as rebuilding credit, you know, from then to now, I've actually been able to increase my credit score by almost 200 points now. That's amazing. So, yeah, I mean, it's been super great. My yeah. credit was completely shot. Right. Um, when I got clean, uh, you know, a vast majority of the $14,000 of debt that I was in was credit cards. Right. So I think at that time I had three credit cards that were in default and that hadn't been paid on in a long period of time or were canceled and gone to collections. Yeah. Um, and not even just credit cards, but like I, at the time, kept calling chase mm -hmm. to like report these charges as fraudulent just so i could get more money back so like i couldn't even bank with chase like as far as like even a checking account yeah because i had screwed them over so many times <laughs> yeah so like even like in my addiction like i had to change banks because i was no longer allowed to bank with them right and um but really i mean as far as the journey of rebuilding credit it's just been slow and steady and it's not been overnight it's right. been something that i've had to want for myself mm -hmm. and had to make a decision that it's important that um 
I increase my credit score because, you know, I agree, like, you know, unfortunately, in this society and world we live in right now, like, credit is something that is really important right. um, to the things that we need out, out, you know, outside of ourselves. You know, I just, like, one of the things that I did was, you know, I'm super, super lucky to have the grandparents that I have. They yeah. were willing to pay off all of the debt and I pay them back monthly now. Yeah. So that was difficult for me because I've never really needed that kind of support and the help financially, but it was a way for me to just start with a clean slate and not have like 50 other things like, not to mention the legal repercussions that could come from a collections agency, not getting what they think they're, they're due. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I've just really had to, prioritize my finances and and I wouldn't and I wouldn't say that like my entire financial journey was focused on increasing my credit right but it was just to create financial stability and by finding some stability in my finances my credit score you know it will follow will follow yeah yeah I mean it it's I mean I definitely am that person that checks my credit karma every single day and sees mm-hmm. nothing change every single day <laughs> right. but I still check it anyways just because it's something that was a, a really n- not in a good health at the beginning of my recovery and it's something that I want to maintain yeah uh, good for you I, I think one point that you shared that that's really important for listeners to remember is that it is slow and steady because I think um you know, when we do kind of catch the recovery fire, if you will, when we're like, let's do it, you know, we're changing lives, most importantly, my own, and mm. we want that change to be instantaneous, like many things in our lives, yeah. but like, there are so many other things that are attached to establishing a person's credit score than just paying a credit card, Yeah. right? Like, if you have a car loan, like, and you don't make those payments on time, that's attached and, and you know, to your credit score. If you have... Uh, a, a, a lessee agreement or a mortgage, like those things are tied to your credit score. There's all these financial things that are tied to our credit scores than just credit cards. Yeah. And I think it's important to realize that, yeah, like the goal like should be what you establish. It should be financial stability. That should be the goal. And the credit card will, or the credit score will follow suit. So what categories, like, like let's say, I'll just hi- set up a hypothetical situation for you, okay? Let's say I am a week into my sobriety (laughs) and I'm like really struggling with like managing things here in a way that's, you know, mature and stable. What if I'm trying to build like a budget, like a personal or family budget, if I'm in a relationship with somebody, what categories should a budget like that have? And like, how would you divide that up in a way that makes sense? Yeah. I think one of the things that I have done over the course of my recovery is maintain a budget. And I think, There's like really two categories, you know, if we want to make this super simple is like discretionary and non-discretionary, like Mm -hmm. what bills can we not avoid? Like, for example, like in my life right now, like, like the rent must be paid in my apartment, like Mm -hmm. the electric, the gas, like what are the things that are non-negotiable that are going to come up? And also like, what are like the non the non-discretionary things are like what can we not live without like you know if we're living in an apartment it's important for us to pay our electric and our gas and and our rent Mm -hmm. 
But like the things that might be less important is like our Netflix account and like Hulu right. and like I don't know what else, but like eating out, like right. You know, it's just I think it's important to take a look at like what are the must haves and like establish what are the needs and the wants yeah. and be able to separate those out. But I think it's been important for me to understand like what are the monthly reoccurring charges yeah. that I must pay for mm-hmm. and evaluate like are my fan- like my finances are tight right now like do I need these things like what can I get rid of that's not a hundred percent important in my life especially from that discretionary pile yeah it's like this is not gonna kill me if I don't have it like I'm not gonna lose my home if I don't have Netflix yeah yeah. Yeah, and I think one of the things that I have done, which I, I don't, I've never heard anybody else do it, but I have two separate checking accounts. Okay. I move, I move half of my non-discretionary spending into the second account every paycheck. Okay. And that's money that is used to pay my bills. That's really smart. And all my and all my drafts come out of that account, yeah. and so. I have one that's my spending money and I have one account that's my bill of money and I do my very best not to touch my bill money. Right. Um, but it's been important for me to keep those accounts separate because there's still, you know, there's still a lack of trust with me and my finances. Sure. That's like, if I see that I have $800 in one account, that means I have $800 in an account. Right. But when I move them and I separate them, you know, it's like I have $500 in this account for my bills. I have $300 in this account for spending. Right. So I don't get them confused. That's really, really good. I mean, I, I really respect just the intention behind that boundary setting with yourself. Because it's, it's not always easy to be, I guess, just, you know, brutally honest internally when you're just like looking at your own your own story and your own responsibilities. Like sometimes we want to be the heroes be like I don't I don't need a whole separate account like I'll just mentally separate it out or I'll just write it on a list you know but then the money disappears and we're like crap what happened you know like I, I spent how much on pizza and coffee last week you yeah. know what I mean yeah so I mean it's 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 good to see that when my spending account is dwindling close to zero it's like well I mean you have a decision to make like are you going to pull out of your bill money to, you know, use a little bit more, you know, during this two-week period or, you know, you're just going to bite the bullet? Yeah. But, you know, also what's been important is my savings account now is actually completely separate from my checking account. So if I want to withdraw from my savings account, it takes anywhere between, like, two to four business days to get to me. Yeah. So I don't have the opportunity to, you know, randomly spend a decent chunk of change on something. Mm-hmm. It's literally, I have to sleep on it. Right. Um, I mean, I can withdraw the money. It's not going to be there immediately. Right. And I'll have to sleep on it and see how I feel. And I can always just move the money back. Um, That's good. So it's been, I mean, it's been important for me to set very clear boundaries with myself as far as where my money is how this money is supposed to be used Mm -hmm. 
and it's been important for me to continue to reflect on like how I'm spending my money. Right. Um, so let's talk about the savings a little more then. Yeah. Cause it sounds like that's been a really important part of your story. Like how, how does a person in recovery, especially early in the recovery journey, start saving more money, more intentionally? Like what, yeah. what worked for you? Well, I'm, I'm sure we've all heard it in the room. It's like, once you get into recovery, you automatically give yourself a raise because you're no longer, you know, buying drugs and alcohol. True. Um, you know, and I think, I think just the more I've been in recovery, like the more I want better for myself. Yeah. And I, I, and you know, as much as I hate not spending the money money that I have I also like having the money to have when I need it right Uh, just in case fund yeah so I mean like there's you know I've had to do some maintenance on my car right and I now have money to pull from that um so if you're in the Indianapolis area at all you've probably flattened a tire on one of the potholes oh yeah for (laughs) sure yeah I mean it's 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 been great having a savings and it also just it makes me feel good about myself knowing that i'm doing something good for myself and i have that like rainy day fund and i it's one less thing for me to stress and worry about but as far as like getting clean and being early an early recovery you know it's really just a matter of like mindset i feel yeah it's just uh, just like investing in yourself and investing in your future and mm-hmm. um, and investing in, you know, some peace in your life. Because, you know, oh, like... I really love that. That's a powerful way to put it. Invest in peace. Yeah. I, it, I mean, it's, it's... I mean, I think we've all been there where, you know, we take our car to go get an oil change and they're like, you have like $500 of repairs that need to be done. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, we've probably been there where we're like, well, I don't have $500 today. Right. And... You know, I I normally don't have five hundred dollars in my account to do it right then and there, but I could, you know, I'll br- I'll bring it back. Um, you know, I'll let me move the money around and I'll and I'll bring it back in. But right, you know, it's not like a you know moment of crisis and panic anymore. Like, how am I going to take care of this? Um, now because, it's like, oh, I have this fund for this reason. Yeah, 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 and and that's also been important. Is is what is my savings for? Um, you know, I have this money set aside, you know, is this, I, I, I kind of go through like, what is it not? You know, it, it's, it's not a new tattoo, you know, <laughs> right. it, it, it's, it's not, um, you, you know, I have a credit card that has like a $200 balance yeah. and you know, it's not to pay that off, you know, right. it's not to a get out of jail free card, but it is for you know, car maintenance and medical bills, like the things, the things that like we can't often control. Right. Uh, The adult stuff that comes, whether we plan for it or not. Yeah. For, yeah, that's what it's there for. Right. But I have to keep reminding myself because, you know, oftentimes it does sound nice to pull money out for a new tattoo or I'm with you on the tattoos, <laughs> man. <laughs> They're like, so expensive but so fun. Yeah. I mean I have like a list of four tattoos that yeah. I wanna get and I'm like I have all this money set aside but it's not for it's not that. For that. <laughs> yeah. 
but boundary. I mean, it, it, it's re- been really good as far as like establishing a little bit of self-control in my life. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't think I had a lot of self-control when I was using and drinking. Sure. Um, but it's an opportunity for me to express some self-control in my life today. And that's empowering. It is empowering. You know, because I think, you know, I, I can't say that I've been perfect. I have pulled money to do um, less responsible things. Sure. Um, but, you know, life is a matter of making choices and um, accepting consequences. Right. And, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, I wish I had more money in savings account. But, you know, remember when you did this, that, and the other, when you pulled money out of savings. Right. And um, so. Consequence noted. Yeah. <laughs> So and, do you put like a little aside each month then? Like how do you build your savings up personally? Yeah. So I just this year opened up a 401k through okay. work. So um, I got an increase at work. And so I'm, I've am i actually been saving $50 a paycheck, putting it into savings. Good for you. And now I'm putting 50 into savings and 50 into my 401k. Oh, that's awesome. So. Truly, about, like literally investing in your future. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's important, you know. I, my my family, has been able to, you know, my grandparents have been able to, to retire yeah. well off and peacefully. Like right. they're the people that buy whatever they need whenever they need it because you know they just they just invested. Right. And I see that in my life, and I'm like, I want to be one of those people that mm-hmm. can like take my friends out or my kids or grandkids out for lunch, dinner, breakfast, movies, like and whatever, anytime. And they just, it's not a thing. Yeah. And, um, you know, cause it, it's, I just grew up with a family where like all the little like get togethers and things have been really important. So yeah. I just want to be able to have, those moments still because that uh, I one of the things that I've been thinking about recently in my spending is you know because I one of the things I love to spend money on are shoes and yeah. clothes and when I spend that money I'm taking away from the opportunity for me to engage with other people yeah as far as like go to dinner and have a meal and conversation or go to a movie together or go do something fun right and, you know, the more that I spend on money for myself, the same amount of money is still there. It's not, not going to change. But, you know, I might have to say no to going to dinner with somebody because I don't have money. Right. You don't want to bum off them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I feel like it's okay to ask your friends for money. Like, can you buy my lunch, like, every once in a while? But, you know, you don't want to be that friend that's, like, constantly. Yeah, mooching all yeah. the time. Yeah. There's a difference between, like, them deciding to treat you yeah you know and you'd be like oh it's the fourth time you treated me <laughs> yeah yeah i'm with you that's a really really awesome development in your life right i think that's awesome that you got the fi- the 401k on top of the savings like that's that's something that i think like investing is just like a you know we could spend a whole other podcast talking about you know <laughs> especially with some of the weird cryptocurrency stuff happening but like like I feel like if there were a way to end this podcast, the idea of investing in your in your future and investing in your peace, the way you put it so aptly, I, is just tremendously powerful because that is that is truly what you're doing. I mean, like when you are financially unstable, you experience more stress. 
Stress triggers cravings. Cravings will make you want to use. Like it's like this endless cycle. Like finances are directly tied to our mental and physical health. Yeah. And so when you are pursuing that financial stability, like it, it really is your peace that you're investing in. Yeah. I just think that's such a huge idea. Yeah. Is there anything else you would share with like a struggling listener just to, to close out? Yeah. I mean, I would just say recovery is a journey. I mean, there's ups and downs and twists and turns, but ultimately at the end of the day, as far as my experience is, I've just learned, I mean, so much more like outside of just finances and budgeting, but I've just been able to learn how to have a better relationship with myself and others. And, you know, I would just say, like, don't ever give up and just keep talking about it. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things I still struggle with is talking about the way that I feel. And that's something I'm really trying to focus in on right now um, is creating safe spaces for me to share my feelings and not without fear and, and fear just in general. Yeah. But I would say, you know, there, and as far as my experience, there's no topic that is off the table mm-hmm. in recovery. I mean, everything, you know, there's never the wrong thing to ask for help about or yeah. need advice on because, you know, we all deserve the opportunity to share what's going on in our head and that it doesn't need to stick up there all the time. Couldn't agree more. What a great way to end. Ryan, thank you for sharing your wisdom and your story with us. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thanks so much for having me. That has been episode six of the Uniquely Better Life podcast. Again, my name is Chase Cotton. I'm the community director here at the Willow Center in Brownsburg, Indiana. I've been your host. One quick announcement. We got some really exciting news to share about the Willow Center. Um, We are hosting our second annual Recovery Awareness Music and Arts Festival for Hendricks County coming up on September 10th. So, just a little bit under two months away at this point. September 10th, it's going to be at Murphy Park in Avon, Indiana. Tickets are just 10 bucks. Uh, the headliners for the festival are this super cool indie rock band called Fox Royale. We're stoked to have them. Uh, also playing will be uh, a group from Launchpad Indie and uh, the acoustic duo Annalise and Alley. There'll be several art vendors, local art vendors, who are all either in recovery themselves or uh, recovery advocates, um, part of the community that way. Uh, There'll be uh, handmade goods, uh, there'll be jewelry, apparel for sale, lots of cool stuff to look around and shop for. And then, of course, we'll have loads of community partners there who are um, in the treatment industry, who are providing recovery support groups and whatnot. It's going to be just a celebration of the very fact that recovery is possible. So, again, that's September 10th. Tickets are 10 bucks. Uh, You can get tickets on the website. It's uh, www.thewillowcenter.com. Uh, and then you'll you'll see uh, the events page where you can get tickets. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back in August for episode seven. And our topic for that episode is navigating difficult social situations. So be sure to tune in.